Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. I love the gift of laughter. I am thankful that God has given us that gift and has allowed us to experience those moments in our lives, those appropriate moments where we can simply laugh together, aren't you? And I am thankful that God gives us a sense of, of freedom, of enjoying, of, of laughing, of celebrating what God has certainly done in our lives, laughing together. You know, when I was in Baton Rouge area, uh, there was a Baptist church in Baton Rouge, one of the sister churches there, that actually uh, came up with a room and entitled it The Laughing Room. Now, I'm not sure what that room consisted of or what they did, besides laugh, I guess, in that room. But I thought to myself, at least it suggests that there should be a sense of celebration in the church. Never have done that. Don't think I will do it. But it does at least communicate that sense of celebration and laughter. I love to have a home filled with laughter. And if you've got kids like mine, you'll laugh a lot. I love to find a church that is consumed with laughter and celebration. I love laughter. Love to hear it, the way it energizes me. And I love when I can laugh with others. Just this last uh, few weeks, I received a message from one of our members, Mariana Easley. Some of you know Mariana. And she was uh, just sending on the comments that her five-year-old son Luke had made concerning the upcoming ball schedule the peewee ball schedule, that is, and his team's taking on the preacher's team. I want to share you, with you this this morning. I'm going to read it. Don't do this very often, but I want to capture the conversation. Mariana said that we were at the breakfast table this morning discussing the ball schedule. John, that's Luke's dad, said, we play Little Caesars next time. That's the preacher's team. Now, I don't know how I got on a pizza team. I'll leave that for another day. But about 30 minutes later, as I was helping Luke get ready for school, he asked me, Mama, are you going to pull for Donnie Bell Design or Little Caesars? I said, Luke, Mariana said, Luke, you know I'm always going to pull for your team. And he looked down at the floor and very sadly said, I know but I bet God and Jesus will pull for Little Caesars. <laughs> Made me laugh that day. I'm not sure God puts that much effort and energy into our games or into uh, our victories. Thankfully for us and Little Caesars, it rained us out that night probably. Don't think God puts that much energy or effort into victories. Uh, outside of LSU fans, most of us think God puts more emphasis on winning souls than winning ball games, right? Ooh. <laughs> just laugh, just laugh. Laughter. You know, when you read the Abraham-Sarah narrative, you really see how laughter figures in. It's a theme, actually, through the story of Abraham. It's a theme that is so interwoven that when the child is born, the child, Isaac, will be named Isaac because of laughter. His name will mean laughter or to smile, 
Listen to Genesis 21. As finally this child is born, and they are able to laugh together and name this child. Verse 1, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who will hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And so the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Isaac, the promised child finally being born. This individual that would bring laughter and celebration into the life of his parents and to the life of his family and to the life eventually of the nation of Israel. But I want you to see that on this day of laughter, Abraham and Sarah would have to reflect. They'd have to remember those days that they had laughed and see, they had laughed before, but they had laughed before in disbelief. They had laughed in disbelief. If you remember, if you go back to Genesis chapter 17, verse 17, where God comes to Abram and he is going to change his name to Abraham. He is going to take the exalted father, Abram, and he is going to transform his name into the father of nations or the father of many, Abraham. And he tells Abraham he's going to do that. Now, Abraham is... 99 years old, and God's going to change his name. And do you remember Abram's response to God? Chapter 17, verse 17, it says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old, and shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So he, he falls down before God, and what does he do but laugh? He laughs in disbelief. He laughs. He says, God, now you're telling me that I'm going to be 100 years old, and I'm going to have a child. And what's more, Sarah is going to be 90 years old, and she's going to have a child. Now, God, that's what you're saying to me. And he, he just laughs about that very idea and concept. And so would we, right? If we had heard the news through the grapevine that Abraham and Sarah were going to have a child at the ages of 190, we would laugh. Or even the concept of it, even thinking that this would happen, it defies all reason, it defies all logic that this couple would have a child at their age. Later on in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 and verse 12, the writer says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, 
and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. I love that description of Abram or Abraham. The writer says that from one man, as good as dead. How would you like that to be your description in life, huh? As good as dead he is. Well, for childbearing purposes, he was as good as dead. Now, you know what? Most of us guys, we don't recognize those kinds of uh, weaknesses in our lives. And Romans chapter 4 says that he he didn't necessarily see himself as as good as dead. But as we think about it, for childbearing purposes, he was as good as dead. It didn't make sense. There was no rationale. There was no reason. There was no logic behind it. So Abraham had laughed in disbelief. And he even cries out to God. And he says, God, old that Ishmael, my son Ishmael, that was born by the handmaiden, may he just be the promised child. Well, you remember God says, Ishmael will be blessed. He will give forth to many nations, great people. But he says, there will come a day when Sarah will have a child. And this will be the promised child. Abraham had laughed in disbelief. Sarah had laughed in disbelief. In chapter 18, it is the scene where God and two angels come to the very tent of Abraham. Remember, we spoke about this just last week or so. As God had come to visit and fellowship with Abraham, wonderful, intimate setting in which they can share this God relationship. But in the process, as God reveals his plan once again to Abraham, the scripture says that Sarah was outside the tent, but she was listening. Just know, children, mom is always listening. She was listening. She was trying to pay attention to what was going on in the revelation. I mean, listen, God is there in the house and he's talking to one of your family members. You probably would want to know what he's saying too. So God's speaking to Abraham and he is again reconfirming the covenant. As Sarah is listening, she hears... She hears that she is going to be a mother. Verse 11 of chapter 18 says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Have I grown old? Shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Get this. Sarah's outside. She hears she's going to become a mother. 90 years old, she's going to become a mom. So what does she do? She laughs. She laughs. She says, God, really? I mean, come on, God. God, really? I'm going to... Now, she doesn't say it really out loud. It's more within herself. But God, the all-knowing God, hears her thoughts and her laughter. And it says in verse 13, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have 
a son. Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was very afraid. And he said, no, no, no. You did laugh. He heard Sarah's laughter of disbelief. And what God says is, he says, is it too hard? I mean, I'm God. I am the incredible, awesome God of the universe. And is it too hard for me to use a 90-year-old lady to bring forth a child? Is it really? She had felt that way. She had laughed about it in disbelief. But God said, is it really too hard? Well, when you think about Abraham and you think about Sarah and their laughter of disbelief, well, sometimes we can be critical of them. Oh, we would never do anything like that. I mean, if God had told us certain things, there's no way that we would laugh in disbelief. There's no way we would question God. And yet, could we be honest that we do it pretty often in our lives? That we laugh. I mean, God has promised us certain things, and God has said he was going to do certain things in our lives, but so often our response is the laughter of disbelief. Think about the way he provides our needs, both physical and spiritual. I think most of us, if we would look at the scripture, we would agree that God is going to take care of the needs of his people, right? If you read the testimony of the scripture, he has promised us, he has told us that he would take care of our needs. He didn't say anything about our greeds, but he said he would take care of our needs. I mean, even Jesus, as he was talking to his disciples, he spoke to them about not worrying about things and about having things. He said, you know, if God is able to take care of the, the birds and he's able to take care of the flowers and adorn them with clothing, God's able to take care of you. So we would agree that God has said he would take care of our needs. But how many times have we, how many times have we laughed in disbelief of God's care and provision in our lives? We lose our jobs. Painful reality of the fallen world in which we live. We lose a job, perhaps. And we think to ourselves, okay, God, you said you were going to take care of our needs, but hold on, God. Can, can, you really, can you really do this? I have a bill. I have a $30,000 bill from the hospital. That's a pretty cheap bill, by the way. But I have a $30,000 bill from the hospital. $30,000. And my Christian friend comes up to me and says, God can take care of that. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm thankful God can take care of it. But you know what? I think I need some other folks starting to maybe tie to me or give me a check somewhere along the way. How many times have we laughed in disbelief? You see, if God says he's going to do something, you can trust he's going to do it. If he says he's going to care for you and care for your physical needs, then God's going to do that. God's going to do that. How about our spiritual needs? To laugh at the ability of God to take care of our spiritual needs. Now, it is mind-boggling. It does not even begin to approach reason, to think about how God has taken care of our spiritual needs. Listen, 
here we are. We have, we have fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody in this place. Could everybody agree with me? Everybody in this place has fallen short of the glory of God. Except two or three of you that need another sermon on it. We all fall short of the glory of God. Everybody in this place needed salvation in his or her life. Every individual. And God comes and he says, I love you so much, I'm going to send my one and only son for you. To die on the cross for you. And through that death and through the resurrection and your faith and your trust in him, you can be saved. I mean, when people initially hear that, I mean, it's easy to laugh in disbelief. That the God, the creator God would do such thing for us? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't easily explain itself by reason? No, it doesn't. Because it reflects the grace and the love and the mercy of God the Father. Even as we carry it forth, spiritual needs. Well, God will keep us and take care of us and we'll have assurance and we'll have peace through him. I mean, that doesn't, it seems like we've got to do something. God, this is too good to be true. And yet, the promise of God is that those of us who are saved, those of us who have come to faith in him, we can have assurance and confidence that God holds us in his hand. Think of this for a moment. In Romans chapter 10, what does God say? God says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be Saved. That's what he says. Right? Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That one who cries out to God, that one who expresses faith in his heart and confesses with his mouth, that individual will be saved. And yet, there are many times that there are many times that you'll see those who have believed and who have trusted who will still respond almost in disbelief that God could do that. And yet what I always tell people is if you have called upon the name of the Lord, right? If you've done that and you've trusted him, then my friend, he was faithful to do what he said he would do. He saved you. Don't worry about your heart condemning you. Our hearts condemn us all the time. But John says God is greater than our hearts. And he has saved us. And you can bank upon the word of God and the promise of God. If he said he would do it, listen to me, he will do it. So if you've called upon the name of the Lord, you have been saved. And you have that assurance of life. Instead of laughing in disbelief that God would do such things and that God could be able to hold such things... Laugh and rejoice and celebrate that nothing is too hard for our God. And that the God of the universe has loved us. And he has made salvation available. And for those of us who have accepted him and trusted him as our Savior, he keeps us 
in confidence and assurance. You see, Abraham and Sarah had laughed in disbelief before. And I'm quite certain that others laughed at them. I'm quite certain. Think about the name change for just a moment. Abram becomes Abraham. The exalted father, which was bad enough, becomes the father of nations or the father of many. Think about how this must have played among the circles of friends and associates. Here's Abraham. He's walking along. He meets one of his friends. Hello, Abram. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine, but I need to tell you something. Actually, I have a new name now. Oh, you do? You've changed your name? Well, God changed my name. Oh, what's the name? My name's Abraham. Did, what, what did you say? My name's Abraham. Oh, so now you're the father of many nations. You're the father of a lot of children. Yeah, that, that's the way I'd go, Abraham. I'd choose a certain name. No, I didn't. I told you it wasn't me. It was God who chose that name. Gotcha. Understand. Can you imagine the grapevine? I mean, it would have been worse than the Rustin grapevine, huh? News spreading. They got on their telephones. They text. They sent messages. They Facebooked it. Have you heard? Abram, he's now Abraham. He's the father of many nations. Doesn't have any children, but he's the father of many nations. Think, oh, Abraham's been out in the Middle Eastern sun too long. I mean, can you imagine the stigma he must have taken? He must have demonstrated. And those who had laughed... At Abraham? So I've painted this picture for you to set the context of chapter 21. Some of you are worried you'll never get out for Sunday school, but I want you to see that context for this passage. Because it says in chapter 21 that Sarah says, God has made me laugh. And all... Who here will laugh with me? Formerly, Abraham and Sarah had laughed in disbelief. But on this day, the birth of their son, on this day, they laughed in belief and faith and trust in what God has done. The child is born. The child is born. That child. That had been promised. That child, they had waited so long. Can you imagine? They were, they were 100 years old, 90 years old, respectively. All those years, just, just those years of waiting for a child, Sarah in particular. And God had granted the child. Some of you remember those days when you held your children for the first time. Wasn't it a wonderful day? Wasn't it a wonderful day when you were able to hold your child for the very first time? I've been through it now four times. 
And I will tell you, every time was special. Every time to hold that child and to look at that child and to know that God had blessed me with this child. And yet, that doesn't even compare, I don't think. I don't think it even compares to Genesis 21 because these folks had waited so long to hold the child. And it says the child was born. The child was born. And it brought laughter and celebration to this family. For Sarah in particular... It says that God had worked in her life. I mean, notice the emphasis here. God had spoken. God did. God had promised in the right time. I mean, everything was just right. Notice God's initiative, his divine activity. God had brought forth this child. And they all knew that. They knew it. God had fulfilled his promise. And think, for 25 years, they had lived in the shadow of that promise. In Genesis 12, God had said he was going to make Abraham this great nation. And for 25 years, 25 years, they had waited and they had longed for God to fulfill his promise. Some of you over the last few weeks as I've been preaching through Abraham, probably some of you have been saying, let's go ahead and get this child born so we can move on a little bit, preacher. You think about your waiting... Just over these few weeks, 25 years, and the child was born. They celebrated the fulfillment of the promise that God did what he said he would do. And they continued to celebrate. And they wanted to celebrate with all. Because it said, all who will hear will laugh with me. And look, they'll not laugh in disbelief, all these other people. They'll laugh in belief as well. What did I say a week or so ago? That um, God often chooses the most unlikely to bring forth his will and his plan so that he receives the glory for it. Not man, not us, but that God would receive the glory. God works in this and he performs this supernatural work. In such a way that everybody who will hear now, everybody that hears that Sarah, the 90-year-old woman, gives birth, that everybody knows that God had done something. And can you imagine the laughter and the celebration? I mean, Isaac, this must have been one spoiled boy. It says on the day he was weaned, they throw this great celebration, this great feast. I believe the household of Abraham... I believe it was filled with feast and celebration. Now, yes, as you read on, I know there's problems, just like there are problems in every family and there are issues that we face. But overall, they are thankful and they are happy that this child has been born. The promise has been fulfilled. And they laugh in belief. God transforms their laughter of disbelief into a laughter of belief. Now think of us today. God gives us that same sense of celebration and laughter. Because don't forget, there was another promised child that came. 
He'd been waited upon for hundreds and hundreds of years. God kept saying the Messiah was going to come. And God worked in a miraculous way again. In such a miraculous way that a virgin gave birth to a son. And that son lived a perfect life and ministered in the power of the Father. And then he died. And in power he rose again. And today, because of his sacrifice and his work, we have salvation. Even though it defies logic and it defies reason, we have salvation. And my friends, I say to you that we need to join together and laugh together. Laugh in the sense of celebration for what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us and how he worked through our lives. And as we laugh, we laugh in faith. We laugh with the belief that he is our Lord and Savior. And he is the one who cares for us. My friends, I say to you, it's time to laugh together. Because of the miraculous work of God. So that all who will hear will be able to join this celebration as well. And know the glory of Christ. The glory of salvation. Let's pray together. Father, we pause this day. And God, we do celebrate. We celebrate the child that was born, certainly, to Abraham. And the lineage, the family that you used to bring forth the greatest child, Jesus Christ. And God, today in this place, we do not laugh in disbelief. We do not come to this place, Lord, thinking it is too hard for you to work and to act on our behalf. But Father, we come celebrating know that you, knowing that you are the God of heaven that can make a difference, that can provide, Lord, even salvation itself you can provide. And God, this day in this place, as you speak to us, I pray that we would respond in faith. Some of us who need to be saved will come. Some of us who need to recommit. Some of us who just need to step out and join this family of faith. God, just work in us now. Help us to be people of faith, celebrating you. In Jesus' name, amen.